and a lot of people, one thing I will say, a lot of people have been very, what's the word, creative and intuitive. They just, you know, they've been innovative is the word that I'm looking for. A lot of mm-hmm. people have been very innovative. They're like, listen, we're going to have to get this hustle on because I think it really showed us um, that there's really no guarantee, right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So I, of course, was very excited when you began to make your journey (laughs) (laughs) into uh, your new venture. And so I've been so, you know, really just excited for everybody just to see people on social media and just everybody just kind of launching all these different um, streams of income and really just walking out that faith. You know, for years, I've been saying that um, I felt the Holy Spirit saying that there was going to come a time when we were going to have to walk it like we talk it. And I think for so Mm -hmm. many years, we've talked about a faith walk and it was easy because life was easy. And then all of a sudden we get hit with 2020 and it's like, oh crap, what are we going to do? <laughs> so here we are. I wanted to tell the world your story. <laughs> <laughs> so for people who don't know, um, Angela, I'm gonna let you, of course, introduce yourself. But we met. How many? I don't even know how many years has it been now. Four. Oh, I don't know. Four or five. Four or five like years. Uh-huh. Um, we met four or five years ago. I was doing an event in Dallas and solicited. Uh, a helper, an assistant, and humbly, you volunteered, <laughs> and it just connected us from there. Uh-huh. That was, I still thank God for that, because who would have known? Right. You know, who would have known? And there was, I don't think I got any anybody else to even volunteer for that. So oh, really? It was like destined, and so from there, we just kind of been connected, and, um, and so we've kind of walked this journey together uh you being a hairstylist me being a hairstylist us both being in the same industry and mm-hmm. um same industry and same niche being in, in um natural hair and so i wanted you to go ahead and introduce the people to who exactly angela pickett murphy is. who are you who are you <laughs> okay well i'm angela pickett murphy and i am a lifelong resident of texarkana uh, Texas, born in uh, Germany, but my family uh, resided in Texarkana, Arkansas, and now I live in Texarkana, Texas. I am a wife of my high school sweetheart, Derek Murphy. We've been together since we were 14 and 16, uh, getting ready to celebrate 20 years of marriage this year. Uh, wow. We have three children. Uh, they are Nicholas McKenzie and Derek Jr. and they are 18, 17, 16. Uh, Nicholas and McKenzie are about to graduate this year and then Derek Jr. is a sophomore. I am uh, employed with the Liberty ILO ISD uh, school district as an administrative assistant to our special education director. Uh, I do that full time and then part time I do my passion, which is teaching. Uh, people how to love and embrace their natural hair. Uh, and I have a salon, Naturally Sweet Hair Boutique and Salon. And I have been the owner of it for uh, four years this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love what I do. Um, I love the connections that I get to make. Uh, when Marquita put that clarion call out looking for an assistant, <laughs> 
I told my husband, I said, this is the opportunity that I had been looking for um, because there are not, there are, aren't any natural hairstylists here in town besides myself um, or people that focus uh, solely on solely natural on hair. Um, and there was nobody to glean from. There was nobody to go look at. And so I had always said, if, if I get an opportunity just to learn, I, I was willing to do anything. And, you know, you put the call out and I, I was willing to do anything. So that was sweep up the hair or pull out these hairpins or take these payments, whatever it was that I needed to do. I was willing to do just to be around somebody that was doing what I love to do. That's the beautiful thing about it. The one thing that I always tell anybody, especially anybody that I mentor as far as the stylist or anything, but the, the, the most important thing that you need is a servant's heart. And that was the very first thing that I noticed. It was just like, and you told me that you was like, if you just need me to sweep the hair, hand by hand. Well, and and um, I think that what happens is because I was in cosmetology school when um, that opportunity came up and I think social media has made everybody think that everybody's supposed to be a star to begin with that's right and that's right. I understood that yes this was something that I wanted to do and yes I was even semi good at it um, I still needed to learn and I needed to serve so I was willing to do whatever it took for me to do um, in order to get to that place. Um, you know, I would be, you know, crazy to come up to you and be like, okay, so I know you asked me to assist, but you really need to let me twist. You know what I'm saying? It, it would be crazy of me to do that. I was there to serve whatever you needed um, for me to do. And in that, I got to watch how you interacted with the clients, I got to watch how you did your consultations. I got to watch how you um, pin certain things. And then it formed a mentorship because I do tell people right. that you're one of my mentors. Um, yeah. and, and so you can't get that by going in thinking that you're everything. And, and that's not even mm -hmm. saying that you don't know your worth, but that's also saying that you need to earn your keep. And so yeah. some of these things we have to earn um, and so mm -hmm. I was willing to put in the work to earn, you know, your trust, because in this yeah. industry, it is a situation where a lot of stylists don't trust other stylists. And yeah, so it's kind of dog eat dog. Absolutely. And, and that's what I experienced here in town, even though, mm -hmm. you know, nobody else is in the same field. It was like, nobody's going to come and just let you look. Nobody's going to come mm -hmm. and show you their secrets. Now, I do have some stylist friends here in town that do you know, have a different mentality, but there was nobody doing what I was doing. So I needed to be around somebody to look at and somebody I could call and be like, you know, hey, you know, what's wrong with my parting on this part right here? What, what would you have done different? And that comes from relationship. That's right. And one thing too, humility breeds opportunity. Absolutely. It's almost like when we humble ourselves and present ourselves, because it, it reminds me of the scriptures that says the greatest of them all is the least of them, the, the greatest right. amongst you are the least. And so it's just like those who serve and those who, you know, it doesn't mean that, um, you know, you Cinderella with, you know, <laughs> no value or no work. Right. It just means that you're OK with 
And I'll honestly, in my opinion, someone who is open to being a servant actually knows their value enough to say, I'm confident enough in my identity to serve you. Like I right. know that in serving you, it doesn't take anything away from me. And right. in this industry, I think I really wish that was a part of this industry that we could really change because I know that I've even gotten backlash from other stylists. Like, why would you tell other stylists or teach other stylists what it is that you're doing? First of all, um, for those who don't know, the world is overpopulated. So there's <laughs> <laughs> only so much these two hands can do. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I'm right. not threatened. I told my husband that not long ago, like I literally see no competition. I only see opportunity to help others and opportunity Absolutely. for me to grow. And if that is that can be a person's mindset, then Absolutely. I believe they would be blessed and flourish all in their own. But Absolutely. it's that dog eat dog. You know, and that was that was the scary part of um, the industry. It, it is that dog eat dog, and you know, I can't I can't tell you what products I use because you might go and you might do it better. And I mean, if you do it better, okay. You know, right. people are like, why do you give your clients so much information? I can give my clients all the information. I can get them all the products, and they still not gonna get the same results that I That's get right. because right. these are my hands. And so I've never been the type that, and you you just know my personality, I've been very transparent and, you know, in all things. And so I've never been the type that'd be like, oh, I got to keep these secrets to myself. Because like you said, you know, your two hands can only do so much and I work part time. And so I can't, there's only so much I can do between 4.30 and 9 o'clock in the afternoon. That's right. And so (laughs) first of all, let's get on that. The fact that you, you know, I always look at you like this girl is, this woman is super woman. Because I'm like, first of all, you are a mother to three, three teenagers. That is just insane to me. Three teenagers. And then you work as an administration, you know, in an administrative position. And then to turn around and operate as a hairstylist if you really consider it all of those positions require you to give which as a woman though we are nurturers that can be taxing at times um but I just applaud you of course I have to just do this publicly I applaud you you know I tell you this all the time but I applaud you because I I am always in awe Uh, because I'm like yo when does she stop when does she (laughs) And you're just like, I got to go. I got to take the kids to the band practice. I got to do it. And I'm just like, wow, wow. Well, you know, for me, going to Cosmo, and I'm not sure if we'll touch on this, but I'll talk on it a little bit anyway. Um, going to cosmetology school was a situation of getting out of poverty. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was working for the school and you know, I, when I graduated high school, you know, I was most likely to succeed and all of these wonderful accolades and all of these scholarships and this kind of stuff. But I was in love mm-hmm. and went to school and we got married and got married and got pregnant with my son a couple months after we got married. And then it was next baby and next baby. And so then it went from, you know, dreaming to we got to work to feed these kids. Yeah. And so I joined uh, the school district in order to uh, be on the same schedule with my kids, but that also came with me taking a uh, dramatic pay cut mm-hmm. in order to 
um, to be in the school district and to be available for my children. Mm -hmm. And so I never forget, I went to the Bella Kinks uh, conference and I think you were there too. Mm-hmm. I think you were teaching a class at that at that one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I yeah, did two I think you, or something. Yeah. Yeah. And so I had gone to a class and her name is Tanya Rapley. Rapley. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And I went and I sat in one of her classes and I listened to her talk about, you know, savings and all these kind of things. And so when she was done, I had, I waited till everybody was gone and I had a conversation with her just about how I I wanted to get from this paycheck to paycheck living. And she told me, she said, the only way you're gonna be able to do that is increase your income. Okay, so I need to increase my income. And so it went from, so how do you increase your income? I I wanted to be a social worker when I was initially in school, but I understood that with social work came a certain amount of sacrifice of your family. Mm -hmm. It also came a, a certain amount of duty to that job and so if I saw something I had to you're a mandatory reporter and I'm a mandatory reporter with the school as well but social work is a little different and so I was like oh that ain't really what I do but I really love natural hair Mm -hmm. and so one day I decided to uh, go by our college school to get some information and when I went and got the information it was like God said okay this is what you need to do I have never, you know, since I've been out of college, I I never had the desire to go back. Everybody's like, oh, you got to go back. You got to get your degree. Never once have I stepped foot in the school and was like, okay, I'm going to go back. But for cosmetology, it felt like this is what I was supposed to do. And so um, it was a two-year journey of working 7.30 to 3.30 or 7.30 to 4. Then the cosmetology school started at 5.30. And then I was in school till 930 at night. And that was two years of that. And my husband and I made the agreement that we both needed to, you know, go to school and do whatever. And so he said, you sacrifice with the kids and stop going to school. So you go first and you get your cosmetology license and then I'll go back and I'll get my degree. And that is what we did. And, you know, people are always like, oh, my God, you're always working. You're always working. And I'm like, I'm not at Walmart doing something that I hate to do. I actually get to go and do what I love to do every day. And um, I told my father-in-law, because he was like, you know, I'm just really, I'm just so concerned because you do so much work. And I told him, I said, um, how did I say it? Oh, I say it all the time. I don't pray for what I'm not willing to work for. That's right. That's good. And so anything, oh, that's what, anything that I pray for, I'm willing to work for. Mm-hmm. So I prayed for God to increase our, our income and be able to take us out of a place of poverty. And so I'm willing to work for it. So you won't ever outwork me. No oh, one can good. ever say that they will outwork me because I pray real hard for a lot of things. And so that's I'm right. willing to put in the work. Now, what I'm struggling with is finding the balance because you're you're in a place out of poverty now and you're actually doing really really well you don't have to work as hard right um, but it's that scarcity mindset that i can't go back to broke <laughs> broke usually broke is around the corner and it's really not it's really not but um i'm just willing to sacrifice and so you know when i went to college school that was the first time i ever missed a, a kid's performance and you know, it hurt me. And they told me, they said, mama, it's okay. Cause it's going to be worth it. 
And so with hair, I have the freedom to make my own schedule. If I don't feel like working this week, I just don't work this week. Um, But it it, it just took that sacrifice to to get those things done. And, you know, sometimes it is hard and sometimes I am tired, um, but I'm willing to work for every single thing that I pray for. Um, And so I'm I'm just willing to do that, to, to put that work in. And the one thing that, that really stood, well, several things stood out, but the main thing was the fact that you had that support system. Mm-hmm. Your family completely understood on all levels, no matter what your children's age was during that time, they understood mm-hmm. your husband was willing to do the sacrifice. I think so many times we have people who will say it because it sounds good and then right. get into the situation and be like, well, this ain't what I signed up for it's like uh actually you did but to be able to go through that journey and have the full support of your family I just that had to been really well and it it was it was amazing my husband and I happened to be working on the same campus at that time and so we only had one car so it was like not only did we work together then he wouldn't drop me off then he'd have to come at 9 30 at night and pick me up get all the kids together and they all come but it was like, this is going to pay off in the end. And I wish I could say that, you know, my husband's sacrifice stopped when I got out of school because it didn't. Because then I went to work in, in the salon in the evenings. And so he discovered he had a love of cooking. So he cooks every day. And, you know, I try to cook on the weekends or when I'm at home. But it was really about, you know, if this is what you want to do, then I got you. And that's what he yeah. told me. He said, I got you. And there were times that I felt you know, like I wasn't a good wife and I wasn't a good mother. And he was like, stop, first of all, because you're you're an excellent wife and you're an excellent yeah. mother, but this is the sacrifice that we make. And so he was fortunate enough that when he decided to go back to school, he could do all of his classes online. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he did all of his classes online, but then the sacrifice came because we didn't want student loans. So then we paid for the classes out of pocket. And so then it was a sacrifice of our, our income because, so that we could pay to get in a better spot. And so yeah. it was it has been a, a lot of give and take. And I, I don't think I added that my husband is a pastor. And so right. in that, you know, we were leading a church and um, being faithful and all of that as well. Um, and so we're not called Team Murphy for nothing. That's uh, right. we, <laughs> we operate as a, a, a team. And yes. it, it is what helps. It helps everything go better because we operate that way. That is just amazing. One thing, though, like, isn't it just amazing how God provides those provisions for that increased faith? Like, faith, like when He's calling us or, or drawing us to a deeper level of faith, He provides the provision, even though we may not comprehend what they may be in that moment when we decide to take that leap into faith, it just seems mm-hmm. like as soon as you leave, everything else you, underneath falls into it, place. It's crazy because I was, you know, debating back and forth on whether I should not I should go to school, you know, should I go to school, you know, how are we going to make it, this kind of stuff. And for whatever the reason, my father-in-law gave my hu- husband $100. And he was like, you know, take this for your family. And I and Derek gave him, and I was like, what is this for? And he was like, you keep asking how God is going to provide, and he keeps providing. I didn't ask Daddy for $100. Daddy didn't have a reason to give me $100. He just gave me $100. That is God providing. Do what you have to do. God's got us. And yeah. that is, I wish I could say that I'm always the one that has this 
super faith because I had done super hyper faith for everybody else before myself, as yeah. you well know. Um, <laughs> it is <laughs> it is a, a struggle for me sometimes. And my husband is the God has got this. Just do what you got to do. And yeah. that is the way he's always been. And, you know, he I tell him all the time he calms me because he always stays calm. He always stays cool. And it's like, God has got this. I'm not worried about it because God got it. And it's like, but, 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 and he's like, eh, I'm not worried about it. God got it. And so I, I tend to lean on him in those things. The one thing that's beautiful, though, is though, while you may not be the one that is like really grandiose in, in that faith, you do have it. Oh, but yeah. I do believe that in the operation, in, in operating in that logic, you're kind of like my husband and it, it brings balance to the relationship because mm-hmm. I don't know if, um, you know, Derek is like me, but I can have, you know, this monstrous faith. Right. But it can sometimes put my head in the clouds uh-huh. where you get what I'm saying. So it can cause us to be illogical um, uh-huh. just because we're like, oh, God's got it. But did you think this through and not right. saying that we need to, you know, have full logic to our faith walk, because, of course, you know, it's without, you know, you're walking by mm-hmm. um, faith and not by sight. Right. But if I'm walking off this bridge, you know, or driving about to drive off this bridge right. and I'm like, oh, well, God going to catch me. I mean, that, that ain't just <laughs> well, necessarily you know, my husband is a dreamer. Yeah. He's a dreamer. And then he'd be like, you know what? I had to make sure I have it all together before I tell you because you're going to poke holes in my dream. And it's now that I'm poking holes in my dream. And, you know, I I know you're familiar with Kev on stage and Mm -hmm. uh, his wife, Melissa, but they talk about the kite and the string, that somebody Mm -hmm. is the kite that is the flyer. And then somebody has to be somebody has to tether to to keep it grounded. And so we balance each other. That's um, right. well with that. So while we're on that, let's talk about dreaming while doing life. You've mentioned all of these things that was going on, all these things that you had to balance it almost not even necessarily balance. You were juggling like legit mm-hmm. five balls in the air, juggling all these mm-hmm. different things. So let's talk about dreaming while doing life. You wanted to get out of poverty. You wanted, but you 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 wanted and needed certain things, but you were also mm-hmm. dreaming at the same time. So mm-hmm. how exactly did you bring yourself to actually do it? Because it's, a, it's one thing to dream, but then there's mm-hmm. another, it's a whole nother level of execution to actually do it. So um, while you had that support system, like what was going on in your mind and in your head and even in your spirit when mm-hmm. you look up and you like, Jesus, I got 10 things to do. And they they all got a deadline. You know, I've always been a multitasker. Mm -hmm. I've always been, which is why, you know, a lot of people uh, talk about, um, at least with me, it's like, you know, you really need to be in a management position. You got to go get your degree so you could be in a a management position. But I really feel like I'm called to be... um, at least in the workplace, an administrative assistant. So I have a keen ability to remember small, minute details about certain things. Uh, You know, somebody could say, 
a child's name. And I'm like, oh yeah, on this day, that child scraped his toe and then his mama got mad. And you remember you had to say da 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 da. And so I'm a, I'm a multitasker anyway. And I almost work better under pressure. Mm. And so when I started cosmetology school, I was a campus secretary at uh, an elementary school. And so I was doing the grades. I was putting all the students. I was printing the report cards. I was doing attendance every day. I was counting all the money. Um, and it was just like, okay, you know, you got this, 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 this to do. And you just got to get it done. So whatever it takes to get it done, you got to get it done. And DJ has track practice at school and Derek got a meeting and Mackenzie got a GT project and you just got to get it done. Mm -hmm. And so um, in the dreaming, it was, you know, I just, I wasn't sure if there was a need for a natural hairstylist in Texarkana. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, I started doing my own hair and then people was like, well, you know, can you come do my hair? And then it was like, okay. So I had this big suitcase that I would take to everybody's house and was doing their hair. And then it was like, well, if I'm going to be taking this suitcase around, I could be making some real money instead of making $25 for standing here for three or four hours yeah. uh, doing somebody's hair. And so it became a, you know, God, if this is what I'm supposed to do, you got to show me a sign. Mm -hmm. And so then it's like, you go to cosmetology school and then you book every day until you graduate. Every day you're on the floor, you're doing two or three clients. And it's like, okay, so, okay, so there's a need, but mm -hmm. you know, like I know the people that you do at cosmetology school normally don't follow you. Right. The, these people are here for the $7 hairstyle. That's right. And so then it's like, okay, God, I want to be, I don't want to be in an open floor salon. I want to be by myself in a suite. There aren't any suites here in town. Oh, this salon just opened and they have suites. And so I walk in and God goes, this is it. Mm -hmm. And so it's like every time I, I felt something that I wanted to do, he would come in and reassure me. That, mm -hmm. that that that's what it was and so that's how it kept me it kept me dreaming mm -hmm. um and then it was like okay lord if i can just get you know three clients a week and then it turned into if i can just uh you know have a saturday full and then it turned into okay now you book for the month now you book for the next month now you ain't no appointment when can i get in how can i get in what can i yeah. do and so, you know, it, it, it takes some, some sacrifice. And during the pandemic, I didn't have the multitask. I was still working for the school, but the, you know, the salon was shut down and I almost didn't know what to do with myself because yeah. there was nothing to do. It was like, <laughs> okay, Lord, this is not the life for me. This is not what I'm meant to do. Mm -hmm. I need something to do. Um, but it, you know, because God continues to provide, it allows me to continue to dream. And then I have children and a husband that's like, okay, let's do that. And so we've always tried to be like, if this is what you want to do, okay, let's do it. Right. And that's just the attitude that we've had about uh, everything. That's really good. And so, um, I was thinking as you were talking, you were, um, oh, it made me think of, you know how, so basically it was more so about perspective as opposed uh -huh. to the task at hand. It was something right. that I was reading earlier today. It was talking about the, um, 
you know, the, we know the story. We're also familiar with the story of the, um, the farmer and the, the, the seeds and the sower. Mm-hmm. And um, while cultivating the land and preparing it to be able to also, we're not just focused on planting the seeds, but also making sure that the land is cultivated and um, nourished enough so that it can actually nourish the seeds too, right? But if we were only focused on, I guess, the labor that went into it, then somewhere along the line, we'd get to a point where we'd be exhausted from the labor and we'd quit. But if our Mm -hmm. eye was on the bounty or the harvest that was to be yielded after, then Mm -hmm. it requires almost, so I guess what I'm saying, it requires like a a, a mental shift, a focus Mm -hmm. shift where we're not paying attention to the task at hand, but the reward that comes at the end. And I think what God does, at least with me, is uh, my husband calls me a Barnabas. He mm-hmm. says, you know, you're an encourager. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you take the time to encourage people. And I do. And what I found is as I pour, it's poured back into me. Uh, and yeah. as I give, it's given back to me. As I sow, it's sown back to me. And so every time, you know, it's, it's you know, you're encouraging somebody and then God drops something or somebody says something that encourages me. And so it's like, it's okay to give. It's okay to sow. It's okay to encourage because I got you. I'm going to make sure that you're taken care of if you do what I ask you to do. That's right. And one thing that I've always admired about you is that you don't allow the pressures of society to tell you that you need to be more than what God has already called you to be and that you've been able to I mean literally wedge yourself into those positions that he's called you to and master them um I think um because of social media our our identity and our idea or ideology behind success can get a little murky because we see what everybody else is doing and what I've always admired is that you're like no God put me right here at this level. And I honestly, I watch you and I, and I know that this has been a mentor to mentee type thing, but in mm-hmm. a lot of ways, you've mentored me without even uttering a word because oh, I've been you. able to watch you and see like, she is unbothered, <laughs> <laughs> unbothered by the pressures of society. And you have literally I'm not going to say master because we're all a work in progress. So I don't want to put that much pressure on you, but you have literally um, excelled at being what God has called you to be at the level that you've been called to and not grapple for all these other things. How do you do that? (laughs) Well, uh, there's a story that goes with that. So, and it's kind of a two part. So I talked about how I was in high school and, you know, I was voted most likely to succeed in all of these things, all these scholarships and all these things. And so when I got married, um, you know, it was like, oh, you're throwing your life away. Oh, you're going to have these kids and all these things. And and I did those things. Everything that they said I was going to do, that's what I did. (laughs) Um, But I was at my class, my tenure class reunion, and I was talking to somebody that I was very close to in high school. And he said, well, what have you been doing? And I said, oh, you know, we have three kids and I was a stay at home mom. And he said, oh, that was a waste of your talent. Uh-oh. <laughs> and what I understood, what I learned 
in being a young mother is that I define my success. Mm -hmm. And so I don't have to be a doctor. I don't have to be a lawyer. I don't have to be any of those things because raising healthy, productive children in this mm -hmm. society is a success. That's right. And so I had to change my perspective because I was the one, you know, big and pregnant in the store with all these babies. And you see somebody's mama and they're like, oh, you having another baby. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm grown and I'm married. I can have all of them that I want. Right. Um, but I had to change my definition of success. Yeah. And what God called me to do, because I know he called me to be a mama. And I know mm -hmm. he called me to be a mother to those three. And then I had a child with a disability. And so I had to, to make sure that, you know, think, I was his voice and I had to yeah. make sure that things were, were right for him. And then also, um, I, I'm a part of the church of God in Christ. I've, I've been a, uh, evangelist missionary in the church of God in Christ, almost 10, 11 years now. No, let's see. DJ is 16. So almost 15 years now. Um, and what I did in that I went in to being a wife, a minister's wife at first, and then a pastor's wife and being, trying to be somebody else. Mm -hmm. So I would wear the big bling suits and the big hats and all these things. And I'll never forget. My husband told me I was about 25 and my husband told me, he said, you know, you look 45 in that suit. I was like, huh? Say what? <laughs> And he said, you know, you make yourself look older. Mm -hmm. And I, I always, every time that it comes around on my Facebook memories, I always share the picture. But I was like 19, 20. And I, I really looked 45. And there's a picture of me at 30. And I looked totally different. But it yeah. was because I was trying to mold myself into somebody else. Instead, mm -hmm. Yes. Instead of being free. And God came in and he freed me from the opinions mm -hmm. of other people, from, I, I, I really don't care. Most of the time I am unbothered. Now there are some things that bother me, <laughs> but I'll be, I'll be real unbothered. And when I have those moments, cause I do have those moments of, you know, self-doubt and those things, I check myself real quick. And it's like, uh, 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 that ain't what God called you to do. God told you to be this right here. And it was something you told me, um, cause you know, as hairstylists, we have a tendency to go through social media and compare ourselves to other yes. people. And you told me when there's a moment that you feel um, that you start doubting yourself when you're looking at somebody else's work, that's somebody that you probably don't need to follow. Or maybe you mm -hmm. need to take a break from social media at that time if that person is making you feel less about less. yourself and what mm -hmm. you can do. There is a, a such thing as healthy comparison. But then when you start to tear yourself down because yeah. of what you see, then you need to change what you're doing. And yeah. so that's what I try to do. I try to, if there's somebody that I follow that begins to make me feel bad, I will unfollow in a minute. That's right. Um, but I, I, I had to look at success in a different definition because success is yeah. different from everybody. And people's words have power. I was giving right. a speech or something for something. And I talked about your words having power and you need to be careful what you say to somebody because somebody telling me that being a mother and a stay at home wife uh, was a waste of my talent could have done something to me. That's it right. really could have 
but I refused to to do that because I know what God had given me and you know and him giving me uh, a child with a disability that could not speak that was going to be living with autism the rest of his life I knew that I had to help him to be successful and you know a lot of people are like oh my gosh he, he does this and he does that what did you do it wasn't me it was God you know, empowering me to be a voice for my child and for myself. And so I, I refuse. And I also taught my daughter the same thing. Like, you don't let nobody, nobody yes. make you feel bad about yourself. You define who you are. You decide what you're going to do. And so, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, bougie. And it's like, <laughs> no, 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 we're not bougie. We just, we just know, know who we are. are. That's we right. Know who we are. That's and right. so, you know, my children excel in academics and in band and all of these things. And it's a situation of, you know who you are. My daughter got homecoming queen and she was like, you know, she told me I never get on court and all this. This is her first year on court and all of that. And the day she got, it, I didn't say much. And then the second day I sent her a video and I told her, I said, you have just proved that being good and being virtuous and being just and just an overall good person pays off in the end. So continue to be who you are. Yeah, yeah. Continue to be who you are and it will pay off. You don't have to lower your standards. Mm -hmm. You don't have to try to be anybody else. Be you mm -hmm. and it's going to pay off. And so that's, that's what I just try to do. I just try, I, I change my definition of success for myself. Thank you for tuning in to episode four, The Audacity of Faith. Stick around for episode five as we address the need for faith and business and the fruits of that faith. More with special guest Angela Pickett Murphy.